0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning. How is everyone? little secret, there's a lot of chords up here. So I'm going to be really, really careful. Um, Happy Sunday. I hope everybody has had a good weekend. Uh, My name is Emily Snyder, and I'm going to be preaching today. Uh, We are in a series. Sorry, this thing is not cooperating. Uh, We are right uh, in the second week of our series from the book of James. James. So Adam did a really good job last week um, of taking a lot of information from James chapter one and breaking it down for us in a really, I think, tangible, relatable way. I probably won't be able to do that today. <laughs> I'm gonna try though, uh, for sure. I think the main thing that I took away from Adam, Adam's message last week, and I honestly think we could take this from the entire study of this book Uh, is the concept of wisdom beyond wisdom, okay? Uh, So you have what the world says or the way things look on the surface and then you have uh, what the kingdom of God actually stands for. If you wanna read more like that, anytime Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say, same thing, okay, same thing. So today we're gonna be moving into James chapter Two. And I want us to kind of keep that wisdom beyond wisdom or like the counter-wisdom concept in the forefront of our minds as we uh, begin talking today. So we're going to pull up James chapter 2. We're going to actually look at pretty much most of the, the, the uh, chapter, but we're going to skip around a little bit. So if we could pull up 14 through 26. Great. So what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. Well, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself, it it isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds... It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. I love this part. Well, good for you. (laughs) Uh, Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Uh, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we're shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. And just as the body is dead without breath, So also, also faith is dead without good works. So I remember growing up, um, and I'm gonna ask you guys if anybody remembers this too. The debate between um, faith and works was always kind of like lurking around the corner. Does anybody else like remember debating this in their youth? I did. I don't know if it's because I grew up in Baptist world And that's just what we did back in those days. I don't know. Uh, Could be. I asked my husband, Dusty, if he remembered this. And he was like, oh yeah, totally. So for him, here's what it looks like. He said he remembered just being told, you can't work your way into heaven. Jesus paid it all. Which is true. Okay, not up here to refute that. Uh, For me... Here's what this looked like. And it's a little embarrassing. And I think maybe my parents are watching on the live stream. So like, I'm just going to admit a little something, maybe some angst of my youth that they maybe didn't know. Um, But my dad worked uh, at the church where we attended. He actually still works there to this day. And so of course, if you grow up as a staff member's kid, you are at church always, okay? Um, and so I always felt like, ooh, my parents just care about my works. They don't care about my faith. Well, they're just making me go to church all the time to, to show, show off my good works. That, <laughs> it's not how that was really perceived, but that's how I felt. Um, so I don't really understand why, but we often try to rationalize like, why we feel like we're lacking in one department or the other. So what I mean is, I've heard people say, I've actually heard people use this as an argument. Well, I'm saved by faith, so even though I mess up all the time and make no effort to change or live uh, the way that God wants me to, uh, that can't negate the fact that I'm saved by faith, so I'm fine, okay? I've also met people, and I'm sure we've all met people, or maybe you are this person, who is just doing good deed after a good deed after a good deed after a good deed and you forget why. Maybe you feel so disconnected from the source of those good deeds and that is kind of the other end of that spectrum. I'll also just give you a little aside. Um, that's also called the, the road to burnout, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, as with so many things in the kingdom of God, this is a both and situation. So um, for some reason, this, this chapter is really rich in content and we're gonna get to more of it, but I couldn't stop thinking about that very last verse. Seth, can you pull up that very last verse, verse 26? Maybe. Just as the body is dead without breath... So also faith is dead without good works. Um, does anybody ever have this happen? Where maybe for a long course of time you just kind of start meditating on the same thing uh, over and over. I feel like you know it's just the Lord speaking in a really long, long stretching way. Well, for me this year, I've been hearing the phrase "breath" or "breath of God" everywhere. It's actually been really sweet. Especially because a lot of things this year have not been very sweet, right? Uh, And it reminded me of a conversation that I had with my children. So back in April, when everybody was supposed to be staying home, you know, we would go for drives. And we didn't go anywhere, we just like had to get out of the house, okay? Uh, And for some reason, I don't know why, my kids at the time were three and five, they're much older now, they're four and six, (laughs) Um, But they were three and five, and they were in the back seat of the car, and they were talking about skeletons. Again, I don't know. And my daughter, um, if you've never, like, had a conversation with her, is very, she's, I told my husband last night, she may be the most matter-of-fact person I've ever met. Like, not just child, but ever. And she goes, yeah, Mom, but, you know, skeletons, if they don't have, like, blood, or if they don't have, like, flesh on them, then they're just like dead, and they can't come back to life, right? And I was like, here we go, because there is a story in the Bible where some skeletons (laughs) come back to life. So I thought, all right. So I proceed to tell them about Elijah in the Valley of the Dry Bones. And we get home, and they ask to read it which we did. I'm not gonna read it right now, but I'm gonna tell the story because it's kind of blown my mind this whole year. So the Lord takes the prophet up to uh, a valley, right? And there are dry bones scattered all over the place. They have been there for so long that they've, the Bible says they've been bleached by the sun. And the Lord tells them to prophesy to the bones that they'll stand up and come back to life. So Elijah does, and the Lord does it, Right? the bones stand back up. And it says that he puts muscle and like skin back on these bones. It's bizarre. It's just bizarre. Uh, but then he notices something. They're still not alive. What are they missing? Breath. So God says, we'll prophesy to the breath and tell, him, tell it to enter the bodies and then they'll come to life. So Elijah does and the bodies come back to life. Uh, I don't know why that's just been in my mind for the past eight or nine months Um, but here's another really beautiful facet of that the breath became proof that the bodies Elijah saw in front of him were actually alive and I think it's really beautiful poetry that James is saying the good works that we do are proof that the faith we have is actually alive See, those bodies were just muscle and bone and sinew until God breathed on them. And our faith, we can think of it the same way, is just muscle and bone and sinew until it starts producing those good works. So to put it another way, um, good works and faith aren't two separate concepts. Like you don't have to choose to be good at one or the other, like I thought you had to do. When I was in high school, <laughs> um, good works are the proof of a faith that's fully alive. Just as the fact that you're sitting here in these chairs, even with a mask on, breathing, shows us that you are fully alive. And I don't want us to get this confused because some people define their good works by things that they don't do, right? So I'm just going to throw out some examples. Uh, I don't lie. I don't drink, or I don't drink too much, right? Um, I don't make my family miserable. I don't vote for a certain political party or this political party. Um, I don't cheat. You could fill in your own things here that people don't do. But to that I say, like those are just abstentions, right? Um, Dead bodies don't do very much either. So here's my question. This is where the rubber hits the road. Um, How can we take faith in good deeds and start like walking it out, right? And here's what I'm becoming increasingly, what I'm desiring more in my life. I want to become awake to a reality that is measured by the kingdom of God. And the wisdom beyond wisdom that we find in the book of James is true reality as measured by God. And I think this is really timely because we've never really lived in a more uh, reality-skewed time. Have you found yourself uh, in the past few months asking, is that real? <laughs> what, what is real? Because what I thought was real, everybody else is telling me is not real. Or what I don't think is real, everybody's saying, no, that's a thing. And I don't know. The, the, the short answer is, I don't know anymore. So I want for my reality to be measured by what the kingdom of God says. So we're gonna use uh, the beginning of James chapter two as an example. Um, Can you pull up one through seven? Here we go. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can sit over there, or even worse, you can sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? So in this beginning of the chapter, we're warned about showing favoritism to the rich folks versus disdain uh, for the poor. And on the outside, like, we can all probably agree, oh, yeah, we should treat people equally, of course, right? Um, I don't think anybody would actually say, no, we should for sure <laughs> show favor to one status over the other. Maybe, you, maybe, but... Um, so, but my question is though, what does your reality actually look like? What do you actually do? Um, sometimes, when studying and reading in the Bible, I find it helpful to like insert myself into a narrative. Um, so, really, you could ask yourself here: When is a time that I've been treated with favor because of my status? Or when is a time that I have been treated? Poorly because of my lack of status. Uh, When I asked myself these questions, I came up with a really silly example, so I'm going to share it right now. Um, Okay, so a little bit about me. As a kid, sorry mom, she's (laughs) for sure watching this and I'm telling all these stories. Um, I had a really interesting upbringing. My dad was a director of a campground. Surprise, it was a Baptist campground. We were super deep in the Baptist world. And so he was in charge of this really huge uh, Baptist campground, and that's where I lived. So preschool through fifth grade, I lived at camp. And it was pretty cool, not gonna lie. Um, In the summers, especially as my brother and I got older, my mom's a teacher. So in the summers, she would actually uh, work down in the kitchen with the other camp staff, like cooking meals for all the campers, because it was our very busy season during the summer. So my brother and I were given a walkie-talkie and two rules. The rules were, don't go swimming alone, like in the swimming pool, and if you get lost in the woods, just stay there and your dad will find you. Those were the only two rules (laughs) that I can remember. Um, So being a camp director's kid in the summer, in my mind, as a kid, was the coolest, okay? So if we wanted to eat, for instance, we just walked on down to the cafeteria where I could just, I don't know, go back into the kitchen, right? And get my plate that my mom had fixed for me or even, if I dare, cut in line, (laughs) right? Because I was the camp director's kid. Uh, We also, in the evenings, when all the campers were gonna go do their like kumbayas or whatever, that we would all go down, like they say we like I was part of the staff. See, status, I thought I was. Um, We would all go down to the pool and go swimming in the evenings. Uh, I think this is where my love of a night swim started. How many of you love a good night swim? Oh, it's so great. Um, And I would, I remember like being in the pool, swimming around and seeing all these campers walk by and just kind of being like, you know, (laughs) okay. But then the time came where I was able to attend camp. Now, I was part of what uh, was known as the Christian Girl Scouts, AKA GAs. Any former GAs in here? I see you, Hannah, all right, Lori. Girls in action, okay? And the camp that was held was actually held at the camp where I lived. So I remember packing up my bags and going to check in to one of the cabins, the very cabins that I would like help my mom clean, right? Uh, And became a camper. So then I had to do things like wait in line for food. And then I'd see like my brother go get his own food and just, you know, whatever, and sit at the staff table, and I had to sit with all the campers, and then I would have to go do my kumbayas and pass everybody in the pool and just be like, oh my gosh. All right, this isn't as fun, right? Not having that status, it's not as fun at all. Um, and I will, my mom confirmed I only went one year. <laughs> just, so, <laughs> just so you know. Um, so I think this is a really silly story. But uh, in truth, what James is talking about is like much more serious because what he says happens when we show favoritism over one status from the other is we're revealing the evil motives or the evil judgments of our own heart. I really love how the message version of the Bible refers to the relationship between faith and good works. Uh, This is really beautiful. It's the seamless unity of believing and doing. I believe that we should treat the rich and the poor as equals. What reality am I operating out of though when it comes down to it? Uh, Is it the world's? Or is it the kingdom of God's? Because I will tell you right now, the two are diametrically opposed. Okay? The way to an alive faith, which is a faith that produces good works, is to look into the perfect law that sets us free and internalize not only what it says, um, but how it is played out in the reality of the kingdom in our world. It's the same thing as Adam talked about last week. If you look into a mirror and then you walk away and you forget what you look like, you have like the knowledge, but can you put it into action? Here's a really good measuring rod, okay? Could we pull up James 2, 12 through 13? I said you were gonna be like popcorning all over this chapter today. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Here's the thing. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You could think about that for years and still learn <laughs> about that, about um, that statement. Mercy triumphed when Jesus took our judgment, and mercy should be triumphing in our reality with the way that we uh, interact with our neighbors, our friends, our family. Mercy triumphing over judgment is reality as measured by the kingdom of God. I think that runs counterintuitive, not just to our human nature, but to our culture as a whole. And I actually talked about the last, this the last time I spoke, which was not even, I think it was like last month. Um, so here's what we do, right? We cancel people. That is judgment over mercy, Right? Uh, We call them to the mat on social media. Christian Twitter loves to do this, right? That is judgment over mercy. We show favoritism to the rich over the poor or to those with a higher status than others. That is judgment over mercy. We love ourselves and hate our neighbor or we hate both ourselves and our neighbor. That is judgment over mercy. Here's a big one. We refuse to forgive. That may be the way a kingdom has come in your life, but it's not the kingdom of God. Those things may be reality for you. It may actually be what you do, Um, but it's not reality as measured by God's kingdom. In kingdom reality, mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment, not just for like our eternal selves, thanks to the kindness of Jesus, but uh, in our relationships and in our interactions with others. So I think James does something a little tricky at the end here. Um, he starts out talking about favoritism. You shouldn't show favoritism to one status over the other. And he ends with using two examples of people whose faith uh, have, uh, has made their, or sorry, people whose deeds have made their faith complete. So we have Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons. <laughs> uh, father of nations, okay, is another name for him. Friend of God. I would love to have that title. Friend of God. And who do we have on the other end of this spectrum? Rahab a prostitute from the wrong side of the tracks. If you were hosting both Abraham and Rahab in your home, who would you most likely prefer? Who would you even let step foot in your house? Here is Rahab being held up in the same place of honor as Father Abraham. And whose reality is that? Like, where does that happen? Because it sure wouldn't happen here. Not even in the church world. It can only be the kingdom of God's. So, I want to leave you this week with a question. Think of the reality of your life. How is it currently being measured? How are you currently measuring it? Uh, how is it aligned or misaligned with the kingdom of God? My honest answer, you ready? There are several areas where I am praying and asking the Lord to realign into his reality. It's like okay to do that, okay? And the really good news here is it's never, ever too late to ask. It's never too late to ask for some new measuring tape, right? Um, or for realignment and it's also after asking never too late to receive it as well thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the vineyard church in campbellsville kentucky if you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the vineyard you can follow us on social media until next time